Are you looking for answers to life's biggest questions like, who are we? What does it mean to be a human person? What does it mean to be a Catholic in America today? How can I be a prophetic voice in our culture? The Center for Faith and Culture at the University of St. Thomas in Houston now offers its MA in Faith and Culture online. This program transforms students by immersing you in the historical, cultural, and theological patrimony of the Catholic tradition so that you'll go out into the dominant American culture and leaven it with the good news. Students can audit courses, get an 18-hour certificate, or go for the entire MA program. For more information, Google Center for Faith and Culture, the University of St. Thomas. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Stuart Squires. I'm the Associate Director of the Center for Faith and Culture and Associate Professor at the University of St. Thomas in Houston. The Center for Faith and Culture brings the Catholic voice to the ongoing conversation about the meaning of life and the liberty and pursuit of happiness we hold in common as Americans. Today's guest is David Howe. He is the Associate Vice President of Student Affairs and Dean of Students here at the University of St. Thomas. Previously, he was at the Houston Baptist University, where he served as the Dean of Student Success and Advising and Chief Retention Officer. Uh, He also taught at HBU, including uh, the Freshman Year Seminar, Business Ethics, World of Business, Legal Aspects and Finance of Higher Education and History, and Philosophy of Higher Education. He received his uh, JD from Boston College Law School, as well as a Master of Higher Education Administration from Boston College, and he earned a Bachelor of Business Administration from Baylor University, and he's a licensed attorney and member of the State Bar of Texas. First of all, uh, David, thank you so much for joining me today. Dr. Squires, it's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. This is a lot of fun. Uh, I'd like to have a conversation today about a, um, a white paper, I believe you're calling it. You and some of your colleagues here at the university have written uh, and um, sort of tentatively call it, and I guess we can call it a practical theology of student success. So in other words, a conversation today about what do what is a successful college student look like after he or she goes through four years uh, here at UST in particular, but uh, at any Catholic institution, I would say, when that student walks across the stage, um, what can we say would say that this student has had a successful education, that we as uh, the university community have done our job and the students have done uh, their job? And I think, um, in, as you sort of correctly point out in this paper, um, that a Catholic education, a Catholic institution, is, has a fundamentally different understanding of what student success is. Certainly we want our students to get uh, jobs, right? We, we don't want them all to be unemployed. On the other hand, uh, as a Catholic institution, we have a different vision. Uh, so when you sent this paper to me, uh, I got really excited about it and wanted to have a conversation um, with you. So in this paper, uh, you talk about a practical theology for student success. And let's break that down a little bit. First of all, what do you mean by practical theology? Thanks so much. You know, um, quick a little bit of background, as you kind of said, right? This was a, a few colleagues and I from another institution, my alma mater, Baylor. Um, the, these two individuals, Cinda and, and Ted, you know, we got together and 
we, we all have a common passion and that's for to see our students succeed and you know the traditional ways that we define student success that's going to be retention timely graduation job placement in addition to that we we both um we all three of us you know we, we have a great desire to make sure that our students um have a definition of success really beyond that because we um, all of us work at faith-based institutions and the, the faith component and having something distinctive about the experience and what our students experience and how they even measure and how we measure success, we thought was something that we just didn't see a lot of work in the literature in it. Mm-hmm. And so it was an opportunity. So as it relates to, you know, theology of student success, that, that term, the idea of uh, at the core, what we're trying to do is trying to get people to think about what how does god view students and their success so and how can we have a model where we can both ponder it and then also live it out and do something about it so mm-hmm. hence the the practical theology the the traditional kind of metrics as we we mentioned right are, are all the ones we kind of discussed and the the idea is you know at faith-based institutions we got to make sure that our graduates have that end, right, something else. And the the and something else is going to be first and really a an opportunity to encounter God's love mm-hmm. and realize what that means and how that really radically transforms our lives. And then with that, having a worldview and outlook in life that is going to be fundamentally different mm-hmm. because they went through our institution and had the experience at our institution. You know, I, I think about in, in the paper, we, we quote Bishop Barron and how he talks about Christian transformation mm-hmm. and how it's a lens through how we see the world. So this is an expansive lens. So far from limiting or only seeing it and, you know, it's uh, in a certain way, what this lens does is look at, wow, everything about the world, everything we're experiencing, right? It It's actually all part of the greater plan of what God has intended for us and really having students at the end of the day kind of capture that vision of what it means to have a robust, authentic relationship with Mm -hmm. our creator. And from that, that transforms everything. That transforms how we interact with each other, how we see kind of our view of what our purpose is and both you know, when they're students and when they're successful graduates and and beyond. So I think that gets at the heart of what we're trying to go towards. Um, What is your vision of student success at a Catholic university today? So you you quote in this white paper, um, Hugh St. Victor from the 12th century, that education is, quote, to order student loves in order to restore within them the divine likeness. What does that mean, and and what does that look like today, and and how is that different from a secular university? You know, that, that I I think that's at the core of you know what it means to be a follower of Christ, of ordering our loves well first and foremost, loving God, right? The the I mean, we know that from the Bible that we're taught to what is the greatest commandment to love our God with our soul, mind, strength. That's the greatest, and then to love our neighbors as ourselves. So it's having that kind of priority and making sure that's reinforced at every stage within the classroom, beyond the classroom, at UST, at a Catholic institution. Having that, you know, um, the, the first that, you know, just 
receiving that love. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, when, when, when people talk about love, we make it so just uh, general, like whether it's um, like, hey, I love this, or, you know, it's about, um, you know, Feeling. XYZ, uh, feelings, yeah. right? Versus the sense of we can only truly comprehend and begin to understand love because we're love first then it's our job, quote-unquote, to receive God's love so that we can actually love each other. So I think it, it, it goes to that being at the foremost of everything and then everything else under that. If we can get the priorities right, everything else has its place. Mm-hmm. So, um, versus what we see many times other places is that all the messages from, you know, whether it's uh, just our society, social media, from our colleges, it's about elevating self. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, love, self-love is right. seems to be the thing that is the most <laughs> prevalent piece of, you know, right. hey, it's, it's about your truth, and it's about, uh, you know, it's all, it's all about you, you, you. Mm-hmm. And that's completely different, mm-hmm. right? And in fact, the opposite of what the gospel tells us and mm-hmm. what as faith-based institutions we want to impart upon our students, that it's first and foremost about God and his glory and then uh, about how we love others because of that love. Have you circulated this paper with any students, and how are they responding to it? Or is it is it still too early stages for that yet? You know, we, we began this conversation uh, over a, a year ago about, um, my, I want to say with our Sumar student senators. Mm-hmm. And it's part of why I think we phrase the power phrasing theology of student success. When we kind of pose that question to the students, they really had to think about it mm-hmm. because they had never – kind of associate the two together. It's like, oh, our student success, and, and there's a theology behind it, and God, God has, like, a definition, right? What, what does God think about our success? So when we had those conversations, it was beautiful because at first it, it, was, um, it was something that was surprising. It wasn't something that they were used to hearing, and then they really had to unpack a little bit. Um, and, and so I think we're just in the beginning process of mm-hmm. really doing that and sure. excited to actually continue that conversation with some of our students. Uh, you talk about a need for integrating theology with, with the, our practice. I think, uh, the, just the practice of, of what happens at a university campus. And you outline three approaches to integrating faith, uh, Christ assumed, cr- uh, Christ added and Christ animating. Can you talk about these and, and how do they apply to student success? Absolutely. So th- this is borrowed language from various, you know, like scholars, Dave, um, Davis, Glanzer. And, um, you know, the let's begin with the Christ assumed. This is the so this is talking about, you know, in the context of faith based institutions for the most part. Right. Where Christ assumed is, oh, you know, we, we have a mission and, uh, you know, we're we're a Christian university. So therefore, we're, we're good. And right. there isn't much thought behind that from right. kind of, you know, just across the university. And then there, the, the Christ uh, added approach is, you know, we, we offer a lot of things at the university. Mm-hmm. And this is a part, if you want it, for you, the, this spiritual type of aspect of it. So if you want to partake in it, great, but it's this optional thing on the side. And so yeah, you have a lot of, even, uh, I think, uh, you know, well-intentioned um, faith-based institutions right. have that approach. And the, the Christ animating piece is about bringing it to life. So it's about integration and having it be every part of who we are. And, and so I think that's a reflection of, you know, um, in, in parallel of what we would hope for our students as it relates to their own spiritual walks, right? We're, we're a proud, joyful Catholic institution that welcomes people of all faiths and non-faiths. And the, the hope is that, you know, we, we wouldn't just be a, 
as individuals be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I go to church or I, I know about God and I'm a good person. That's going to be a little bit more of like kind of the Christ assumed model as applied to an mm-hmm. individual student level. Right. And then the Christ added would be, you know, um, I do very similar things. Right. It's, um, you know, I, I take some actions and I go through the steps of it. And then um, that that should be kind of good enough. I, I attend mass, and you know I'm at a I'm at a Catholic institution, so right. great. I, I must be a great Catholic now, <laughs> right, right? Right. And then the the of course uh, the application I think of the Christ animating is that it's it's just such a like inherent part of your DNA that literally you see everything you do, including your your calling as a student, including your calling in life later on as part of the greater narrative of plugging in what is what is God up to and how can I play a piece in that? And at the core, it's going to be just, a, as we know, just a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. That's the um, having a depth of an intimate relationship with the body or, or just the, the body of Christ and also just, a, of course, with our Lord and Savior himself. So capturing that view and then realizing that everything is informed by that foundation as a starting place. Uh, you quote uh, James K. A. Smith, who is a, a very prominent uh, pro- uh, Protestant public intellectual. He's recently re- written a really great book on uh, Augustine, sort of bringing Augustine into the contemporary public discourse. Uh, and you quote him that educational institutions uh, today, quote, are platforms of performance where individuals are allowed to be their authentic selves precisely because they are able to give expression to who they are inside. Uh from a Catholic perspective on a, on a Catholic campus, why, why is this problematic? Yeah, I, I think this, this ties into, you know, um, what we also talk about. We, we cite some other kind of, you know, individuals in, in the broader student affairs space, um, Baxter and Magolda. And even for those who don't know uh, about, like, the, the research, you know, it's kind of known as self-authorship. So mm-hmm. the, th- I think the, the biggest miss in it, because it does have some truth in it, right, mm is that the, it's centered on self, right? Mm-hmm. You're, like, you drive your destiny. You are, at the end of the day, the center of, of kind of your world type of thing. And it, it places the, the human and our own selves as the main focus mm-hmm. versus the, the hope, right, that we want to instill in our students is the idea of co-authorship, right. that, like, that there is choice, right? That you, you can... Um, our, our, our God, because he loves us so much, he gives us the ability to have free will, and he wants to co-create with us. So it's not about just, you know, how we can elevate ourselves on, you know, wh- whether the stage is, quote-unquote, is doing, um, you know, a literal stage uh, at a university or something beyond, or it's how we can, you know, become rich and famous as a platform, but rather, th- th- those are all outcomes. They're not necessarily bad, right? But the the whole idea, I think, is that we're here for something beyond ourselves, and it's just not us at the center of it all. Rather, it's about us as a community and a faith community in particular. This all seems so different from what our culture today says is the goal of education, which, as I sort of mentioned earlier, is just to get a job. On the one hand, certainly you are offering a, a, what I would call a prophetic critique of secular education. On the other hand, young people are so scared about getting employment these days that's sort of been beaten into them from young, and I don't blame them. I blame you know their parents and our culture and their and and their K through twelve institutions saying you know 
if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you will not get a job and you will be destitute and, and poor for the rest of your life. Um, so on the other hand, young people are so scared about getting employment that it, this seems like a vision of education that is totally alien to them. Uh, how can a Catholic university successfully be the prophetic voice in the world of education in an attempt to reestablish the vision of education of, of as we said earlier from Hugh, uh, uh, ordering student loves when secular education is all about getting a job? I, I, I think, you know, it, it comes, it goes back to what Bishop Barron said about the expansive lens, where this is a both and, uh, not a either or, as in, <laughs> like, absolutely, jobs are important. In fact, um, you know, it's cited... Uh, at our university and other universities as one of the top, if not the top reason of why students are coming to college. So it's it's high on their kind of expectations and priority list. And so I think here's our opportunity. Our opportunity is to say, yes, we, you know, we, we are absolutely are going to work hard, you know, towards making sure you you have a job that pays the bills. Um, you know, we, we have a great robust career services here. Our job placement rate, even during pandemic, I believe was over 93%. So Mm -hmm. these are already great outcomes. So I think the first step is saying, absolutely, we want that for you too. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more. We don't want it to be just a job. We want it to be a vocation and a calling. We want it to be where we get you and your area of giftedness and making sure that our students from the get-go really have the opportunity to dwell into the why. Because when we talk about, you know, the, the first thing we ask students usually, and I think we, we all do this, right, is like a new student comes in, they're freshmen, what's the first thing we ask? What's your major? Yeah. What are you studying? <laughs> and there's so much pressure on them right. to, like, definitively declare, I am XYZ, right. whatever XYZ is. And right. I, I actually think, so we, I, I think sometimes we do them a disfavor by doing that, right? Yeah. Because it, it doesn't allow them that time to like really explore. So they, yeah. they feel this pressure and they have to say something like, well, I'm pre-med, you know, I'm pre-nursing, I'm whatever, you know, I'm studying yeah. business. And then, but that's the, that's the what. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we spend a lot of time spending on the what. But the why of it, mm-hmm. we don't spend nearly enough time. So I think that's the hope we have here, too. It's the both end of saying, look, you know, the, if you just look from a sheer outcomes perspective from graduates of our institution, mm-hmm. your odds are really good, right? Yeah. <laughs> that you're going to get uh, not only a job, but a job in the field you studied in. Right. And because of that, we also want you to have a far more transformative, expansive, broader view of figuring out what is your calling. I mean, I, I look at back at my own story, and it was very much like that. I didn't get to ask the why until far into when I went into law school. Right. And then that's when I was like, you know what? Oh, my goodness. I, well, what am I called to? What am I called to do? And is it something different than, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, what I originally thought when I was looking through the lens of what's practical? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that's the conversation that we need to make sure we have. And we're, we're working in, in career services, working with freshman symposium others to make sure that actually that conversation begins when they're a freshman and really, you know, comes to fruition um, when, when they're a graduate and alum of our institution. So I think it's the both and approach mm-hmm. and making sure that like 
Yes, absolutely. We're here to get your job. And we want we want to put you in your area of giftedness and where you're called, knowing that these days the reality is that our students are going to be having multiple careers. So right. it's not a it's not just multiple jobs, right? That that was the case before COVID. Right. Now the case after COVID because there's been such kind of such a shuffling, if you will, and transferable skills um, are just so important. That, that again, I, I think goes back to like the importance of, you know, a liberal arts education mm. and our core um, curriculum and um, the, the co-curricular and the curricular really preparing our students for the future. Yeah, to your point about how the first thing we ask students when they come in, and of course they always have a ton of paperwork that they have to fill out, is what is your major? I often wonder, well, what if we were to take that you know, little box off the paperwork and just add, you know, what is God calling you to do or to be? And just that slight, you know, shift in a bureaucratic mindset when students are in their first week, if that, how that would, how would that signal to them that what we're interested in for them is fundamentally different than what we've been talking about? Yeah. And I think for many of them, that may have been the first time they seriously were asked yeah. and had to ponder right. that question. Right. Not not what do you want or what job, but what is God calling you to do? And yeah, so I think, you know, even even bureaucratic paperwork can, if it's done well, can, you know, point to mission, point to point to our calling as as Christians. Absolutely. I think that's the both and, right? The the beauty of the gospel that allows <clears throat> us to do, you know, all of those things. You mentioned Bishop Robert Barron several times, and he um, came to campus last spring. He was our commencement speaker for for uh, uh, spring 2021 uh, class, graduating class. Uh, and in this paper, uh, you mentioned, and I think he brought this up in his speech, uh, his talk, um, the difference between the magna anima and the pusilla anima. What are the differences between these, and what does this have to do with education and student success? You know, it's I, I think um, my understanding of it is that it's the vision of, the, you know, the, the big soul versus the small soul. Right. Or um, I think sometimes in when we are in higher ed, we're lucky if we even talk about a soul period. Right. <laughs> big, big or small. <laughs> Modern philosophy programs, I don't think, are too interested in such things. Right. So I, I think the starting place is like, yes, we ought to be talking about like you know souls and and uh what it, what it means to be human what it means to have a you know flourishing life and and um i i think you know that 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 ties to all that we talked about of like what does it mean to really because i think the the end goal of it right when 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 bishop baron talks about you know kind of a a large soul it's to have like a great perspective about who you are and what your purpose is. Though, though, I think those are the two questions, right? That faith is critical, and our, our Catholic mission is critical towards helping answer when it comes to student success. Mm-hmm. That too many times, um, you know, I, that education in higher ed has really kind of dropped the ball on. I, right. I, I remember there was a, this was back when I was in grad school. Um, doing my dual degree at Boston College, there, there was a article kind of out of the Chronicle of Higher Ed, and it was talking about the the various pieces, you know, that students felt from graduates from really great schools felt that was missing in their education. Right. And one of the key pieces that was missing was actually they felt like 
their colleges, universities, did a very poor job of equipping them to answer those two key questions. Right. Who am I? Right. What is my purpose? Right? They, they really, they didn't have kind of that vision for life and what it was all about. Mm -hmm. And at our core, that's, I think, our distinctive piece of realizing first, yes, you have a soul and it's not just to me be meant to be this narrow slice of like, you know, how so many say like what success means, which is pretty much like the messages of be rich and famous, right? That, right. that seems to be like the message towards all of us of what's going to give us satisfaction in life. And we know empirically that's actually completely not true. Right. And, and, and just to have that larger view of like, you know, I was meant for something beyond just myself. And, and I was meant to further a part of God's kingdom of bringing the kingdom here on earth. I think that's at the heart of what we're trying to do and go for. I think that's so important for, for our society today, even for in secular institutions who obviously wouldn't be asking theological questions. But, you know, I think of, for example, uh, you know, the sort of myth of these um, uh, uh, tech companies, people like Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, who go to these elite institutions and then they drop out after a year or two to go found their companies because they think these universities don't have anything to offer me. Because uh, they're brilliant people, and I'm, that's probably true if we're talking about you know ones and zeros and coding and all that stuff. But because they're not being offered, uh, you know these, uh, you know, or they don't choose to take, I guess maybe another way of putting it is, or seeing value in uh, a liberal arts education, asking questions, what is the good? When these tech companies become huge, like Facebook and and, and others. And they have to deal with these social questions about censorship, uh, what what is appropriate in a public discourse, what isn't, what is my role as a tech CEO. They are completely incapable of even asking the questions, let alone answering the questions. And so I think what you're getting at is really um, not just an academic question in universities, but is reverberating throughout our culture today. Yeah, I, I, that's right. You know, these these how we answer the, the you know, the biggest questions about life of, you know, who am I? What is my purpose? That you know, our, our faith is the best part of which informs that if we don't really get those right, like we're just um, just kind of like blowing in the wind. Right. right. Like like what does our culture think? Well, our culture tends to, you know, think a lot of different things <laughs> at the same time 15 and, and change his mind. Right. So if, if your reaction is simply, right, to hold your finger up to see where the winds are blowing, um, that's exactly how I think we we just um, run into so many of the challenges we do. So mm -hmm. that's absolutely right. One of the issues that your paper brings up, and, and certainly, I mean, we have accreditation agencies that say, you know, you have to meet certain uh, you know, criteria to keep your accreditation and be an actual university. And, uh, you know, in any institution, there's going to be the question of sort of measuring and metrics and outcomes and all that. And, um, you know, in, in a previous email exchange you and I had, I kind of pushed back on that. And my comment was, I think you're 100% right about quoting Hugh and quoting Bishop Barron and what is a true Catholic education um, so why are we even bothering with that stuff, right? I mean, can you you cannot uh, assess when a student reorders his or her loves 
I guess you could come up with some ridiculous, you know, check boxes one through five or something like that. But why do we even care? I mean, other than uh, um, appeasing these accreditors, why shouldn't we make a radical claim as a Catholic institution and say, you know what, we're not going to do that. We're not going to play that game. We're going to focus on the question of how do we together think about reordering our loves? Why do we need any of that stuff? <laughs> I'm glad you, uh, you know, that's because I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I was like, huh, I remember my last exchange for him. So here, here's, here's my attempt at it, good, right? Good, good. So the, uh, the attempt would be this. I, I think there's some really good, like, you know, quantifiable measurements that we should have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and these are the standard ones that we kind of talked about. Retention, persistence, timely graduation, job placement. I think those are good, mm-hmm. right? Those are good measurements, and they're easier to quantify, I think on the other pieces of it, right, I actually still think there's a place. I think this is the both and where, but how we measure it is going to be a little bit different. And and Mm -hmm. I think, you know, many when when they say, oh, you know, how can you measure wisdom? Mm -hmm. Well, I think we actually do do that, Mm -hmm. right? Like uh, we we may not quantify. I think it's, it's a difference of we know what is hard to measure versus what is hard to quantify. And I think some things are very hard or can be challenging, not impossible, right, to quantify. So when we, you know, when when the Bible says things like, you know, like that, it's kind of well known that, right, um, for example, King Solomon, he was seen as one of the wisest, right? Right. That's a... That's a measurement of sorts, though mm-hmm. we didn't like have like a laggard scale of like, you know, well, what, what, what number was he on wisdom right, <laughs> right type right. of thing. So I think some of those things that it's it's a uh, well, when people say, well, maybe we shouldn't, you know, maybe it's impossible or maybe we shouldn't measure. Um, I'd say, well, maybe it's difficult to uh, quantify, mm-hmm. though there is still value in measuring um, here as it relates to some of the things that are like harder to measure mm-hmm. right um like uh, for example persistence rate is you know you, you take the right numbers you get you get the right persistence rate that that that's pretty easy to quantify the the other pieces they're going to be a little bit um harder like a, a thriving quotient for example right mm-hmm. like of of measuring like how did um what was the baseline i think so i, I think things like that are valuable on two things one seeing if there's a baseline so we can say like we know there. Can we demonstrate that, like, hey, what is the baseline? If if most X Y Z people say, you know, on a you know a thriving quotient that you know, and I'm making this up, right? right. But like, if it's one to ten, that they're like a six or seven or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If that's a baseline, how are we doing, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, I think that can be helpful in that aspect. Mm-hmm. I think the other aspect it can be helpful on is demonstrating progress. Now, this is going to be, met, many of these are kind of self-assessment pieces. Mm-hmm. So there, there's going to be inherently, you know, some kind of complications with that. But I think our, you know, the, the social scientists, et cetera, those who are like really experts in this, which, all right, I'm not, sure. I, and I probably will never, you know, be. Sure. I think they found ways to, even if it's not 100% precise, to be able to have it where they, we can have confidence in these things mm-hmm. and we can kind of measure growth. So as it relates to things of like, you know, how, how is a student, how did they view XYZ factor when they were, you know, kind of first came in, you know, mm-hmm. did, did we help them kind of make progress towards answering those questions of who am I, what is my purpose, you know, worldview, all those things. I think there's ways to quantify that, that 
can be helpful so that we know, and at least it's not the end-all pre- predictor or saying, like, this is definitive of what it is, but it gives us something to say, like, hmm, I think um, we're making either progress here or maybe not some progress here, right? Um, so to that extent, I think there's still the, the both-and approach mm-hmm. and space for those things. Well, I'm going to keep pushing you on this because, oh, no. <laughs> because I mean, I think you're right that it it can be done in a maybe certainly not a, a extremely precise way, and it might require some creative thinking on how to do that. But I still don't think you've really answered the why. Why, why should we want to do this? Why should we waste our time uh, measuring uh, student success in a sort of bureaucratic way of um, uh, if, if the goal, as I think you rightly point out, is it should be about reordering our loves. Why do we want to do that? Well, you know, if, if we don't do it, I suppose, I, I'll answer it in this way, right? Mm-hmm. What was the cost if we don't do it, right? The, how could we, in, in a way, say then to an extent our... On, on the things that we think really matter as mm-hmm. relates to being, you know, just a flourishing human being, mm-hmm. that there is a difference between our our products and the products of other institutions. I sure. think that's part of it, okay. right? Sure. Of like if, if we – or even if it comes to, you know, um, wisdom, right? Like right. Um, the it, we do make those measurements, but we want our students to be wise, right? Um, so if we just leave it as is, I think – there's a cost to that as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I understand, I think, to an extent of why, in many ways, because of accreditation and all yeah, those things. Yeah, that's necessary. It, this, well, even that, like the, the language you were using of like, you know, this bureaucratic type of thing, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's, I think that has a place. And okay. I think that also that type of view as it relates to assessment, right, um, sometimes is overly projected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially in ways where we're talking about the stuff that we are talking about right now. Sure. Okay. So that's that's my attempt at it. Sure. Good. Good. Thank you for that. I'm gonna off air. I'm gonna keep pushing on that, but <laughs> we we can move on for now. Oh, over coffee. Over coffee or beer. <laughs> that's um, right. so questions about you. Um, what is it about this that excites you uh, such that you're sort of? You've said you've been working on this for a year, and you're not done with it yet, but you're you're still working on it with your colleagues. What excites you about not just the, this white paper that you're working on, but the larger question of, of a practical theology of student success? Yeah, you know, um, so it, it's, you know, the, the life of an administrator is always interesting, right? Part of what's exciting is that I, I really do like the research aspects of mm-hmm. it, but the very much like realistic demands of my job are such where I have very small time to actually focus on these sure. things. So on, on a, just a pure strategic level, that's why I collaborated with right um, two other colleagues mm-hmm. so that our kind of joint time together. So on a pure just, you know, love for ability to write things and scholarship, I think that was appealing. And the why behind this is that, you know, the, the, the story of why we even arrived at this white paper, mm-hmm. it was actually the height of COVID, and so mm-hmm. COVID had uh, just hit institutions across you know the nation. Of course, including us, where we were in that boat, we were just like, "Oh my goodness, what does this mean for the future of, of higher ed?" Mm-hmm. And so there was a fear, it, and 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 the fear was this for us when I was talking with some of my colleagues: is that 
in the pursuit of like the an emergency situation that we would get so extremely practical at the cost of what matters the most, mm-hmm. which is our mission. Right. And so that was actually the birth of us even starting a conversation because we never set out to say, you know what? We should write a white paper <laughs> about the theology, practical theology of student right. success. We didn't even have those words right. beforehand. It came from our own faith and desire and love for our faith-based institutions and right. wanting to see them thrive and making sure that during this time that wasn't just put on the side. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, mission is important. However, right, <laughs> type yeah. of thing, the both end. Yeah. Mission is what drives everything, and everything else falls, the practical aspects fall under that umbrella. So I think the 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 hope is this, that, you know, it, it's uh, in the Bible talks about, you know, make salt and light. We are called to be the salt of the earth, mm-hmm. right, and, uh, uh, and the light of the world. And we don't want to lose our saltiness. We don't want right. to lose our light. And so I think th- what's exciting and why, even though, right, I, all of our jobs, the, my colleagues and I, right, like we have little space for this. We keep on kind of pushing towards it right. is that we want to make sure our institutions, uh, faith, our faith-based institutions have this conversation and keep it at the center right. because this is what truly makes us distinctive versus a bland flavor of vanilla just like everyone else. Right. So it's to make sure that we preserve those pieces that we think are most fundamental about our institutions and making sure everything is driven by the, that critical and distinctive mission oriented in Christ. Your colleagues, as you mentioned earlier, at Baylor University, uh, they're at a faith-based institution. We're a faith-based institution, but they're not Catholic, and we are. I don't know if I would expect um, any conflict between your different visions, but I'm wondering if you're seeing in your discussions with them differences of emphasis or or, or, uh, coming out of these different Christian traditions, a sort of different way of looking at or thinking about these, these questions that we've been discussing. Absolutely. You know, like um, whether it's different language, whether it's um, making sure that, you know, like whether it's different scholars that we're looking at, I think those things all played uh, into it. Right. Uh, When we are I think the the beauty of of us collaborating on something like this is that we wanted to make sure we had representative language for Mm -hmm. both, you know, on on the Catholic aspect and then also on the Protestant aspect. Sure. Um, but as it relates to those nuanced differences, absolutely, right? The, the hope is this. The, the hope is that, and, and we unpack this a little bit on, you know, towards the end of the white paper. It's kind of a call to action of, first, uh, the framework I think we lay out is to discuss, define, and do, right? Like uh, for other institutions, the, there's, there's no kind of theology or student success, just um, one large generic one that's going to work for institutions. So, the hope is that institutions would have this discussion and actually start to have, you know, that process for their own campus, starting with simply discussing. It. It's like, oh, wow, this framework, that's really interesting. We've never even talked about, you know, right. theology of student success. And then defining what that means for, for them and their institution. And then seeing if, you know, there's different things we need to be doing or small tweaks we need to be making because of that. So I think that the hope for us at UST is um you know the the plan right um uh, is to carve out some time where 
we have a version of what it means for us specifically at the University of St. Thomas, our theology of student success. That's a that's going to be, you know, the, the hope is going to, that's going to be a collaboration between campus ministry, um, some of our friends and academics and, and others. Sure. So that it, that, that really kind of uh, makes sense for the specific campus and the specific type of faith denomination. Sure. Uh, final question. Uh, we are a people of hope, specifically hope in the resurrection. When you think to the future about how Catholic universities and even secular universities think about what students should be receiving from their education and what student success looks like, what gives you hope? You know, I I think um, I I think uh, the hope is the same hope that it's always been that you know that this is something that you know at faith-based institutions and beyond that is so important for this generation it's always been important but i think this generation of students this you know like digging deeper into the whys the purpose-driven pieces of it they're really hungry and searching for it and they don't have the tools or language necessarily Mm -hmm. to be able to even articulate it and so um i i think that gives me just a a tremendous amount of hope, right? I think, you know, um, it's a tremendous amount of hope in the sense of, you know, the, there's, there's a lot of division, right? R- right now. Um, and I, I think the, this, this lens allows us to, you know, I think some of the problems, right. Um, that we've and challenges we've had is because religion and faith, something that's so important to so many people uh, in the United States and beyond has with maybe especially mm-hmm. within you know colleges and universities just been pushed to the side and uh, I, I think that's an absolute misstep right mm-hmm. like um if if what we believe is this we if what we believe is that at its core our faith is about a relationship that means so much to us just like the relationship you have with your spouse or your kids or significant other right like w- w- imagine how crazy it would be if we said like David, you know, um, we we know you've been married. We know you love Claire and your kids. Uh, and here's the thing: that's nice for you, but you can't talk about them. Mm-hmm. Or or, <laughs> or if you talk about them, it has to be in a very generic way, right? Because <laughs> right? uh, I I think uh, t- to to kind of have that's been kind of our approach, right? right? Where the the message for so many, maybe especially at colleges and universities, right. like you. Know, you you leave this aside, you right. know, you, you put this, you, you put this, you shelve this somewhere else. And I, I think that the hope is that we would do and at UST and, you know, at other faith-based universities and beyond to do the opposite of that. It's, it's about bringing like truly who we are to, to our jobs and to our schools and having a conversation and just being us, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that, that aspect of it and being able to kind of flip that narrative, I think, um, yeah, is, is, is hopeful. Right. And then, um, just the, just the, you know, kind of key things of what, you know, we're called to do as Christians, right. The fruits of the spirit, kindness and compassion and just thoughtfulness. Mm -hmm. I think those things have to be elevated because, that's that's what we need more of, and that's uh, that's certainly something you know we, we try to do here at UST for our students within our values, goodness, knowledge, discipline, community, 
and um, you know, and we, we, we can't, you know, control at the end of the day what, you know, the, the greater society does or doesn't. Right. Um, but, but we can influence our campus. And, and so uh, I think for people like you and so many across campus who have that vision, who are doing that, I think I'll, I have a tremendous amount of hope in that. Good. Well, I want to thank you not only for this conversation, but uh, you and your colleagues for this paper. I'm, um, you know, having been in, in higher education, including at Catholic universities for a while now, uh, I don't think too many people are having this conversation. I mean, there's a lot of people talking theology. There's certainly a lot of people talking student success. But uh, I can't think uh, recently of anybody who's really bringing these two together. So I'm really excited for when this uh, becomes a final draft, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that it spurs not only in Catholic universities but uh, uh, in faith-based institutions, but uh, even secular schools, spurs a conversation about what is true student success. And I think this is a great um, uh, uh, guide for how to think through those questions. So, uh, David, thank you for the conversation and the, and the paper itself. Thank you so much, Dr. Squires. And I look forward to our future conversations Absolutely. with, with well, you and others. We're not done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Are you looking for answers to life's biggest questions like, who are we? What does it mean to be a human person? What does it mean to be a Catholic in America today? How can I be a prophetic voice in our culture? The Center for Faith and Culture at the University of St. Thomas in Houston now offers its MA in Faith and Culture online. This program transforms students by immersing you in the historical, cultural, and theological patrimony of the Catholic tradition so that you'll go out into the dominant American culture and leaven it with the good news. Students can audit courses, get an 18-hour certificate, or go for the entire MA program. For more information, Google Center for Faith and Culture, the University of St. Thomas.